My name is Kate the Socialite, and you're listening to episode 237 of The Kate Show. Guys, starting a home staging business is flat out overwhelming, whether it's your second career or your first. If you wish that someone could just give you a sneak peek into what you should be doing when you're just getting started, or if you feel stuck after trying to grow your staging business for several years, you need to hear today's episode. Today, I have successful home stager, former realtor, and hyper-focused business coach, Marianne Cherico, on the podcast to dispel the myths about home staging businesses and help you navigate the hurdles of running and growing yours. We're going to be talking about things like which mindsets are holding back your business and how to change them, and how to handle listing agents who don't value home staging, and how to connect with great realtors who will provide you with a stream of clients and the best marketing tactics Marianne has found to work well for her own staging firm and her clients' staging firms. I want to share a little bit more about Marianne for those of you who don't know her. She is the home stagers coach, and she is a trained personal and professional development coach. She has also owned and operated a successful home staging business since 2005. Her background includes 27 years in real estate, and she has coached many home stagers throughout the country on how to uplevel their businesses by developing mindset skills and savvy business strategies. She offers one-to-one -one and group coaching services, and she helps home stagers own their magnificent and create a life and business that sets their soul on fire. Her podcast, Homestagers and Designers on Fire, is a great way to learn business and mindset strategies for those of you wanting to grow your business. If you're looking for a coach who will help you, you need Marianne. You can learn more about her by going to www.coachingbymarianne.com. This episode is brought to you by Side Door. As a designer, you might feel like the only way to make more money is to work more hours or hire more people and really drive yourself insane. All of this is at the expense of your family, your mental health, and your physical well-being. But Side Door presents another option. You can sell trade-only products and earn an average commission of 30% on each sale without having to set up a whole other retail spot on your website or in person. Not only do you have more income potential than archaic affiliate marketing has to offer, but you also don't have to worry about the headache of inventory, handling orders, shipping returns, or customer support. Curate a room package, make the sale, and get paid. Side Door does the rest. You can sell each package over and over, or you could offer a custom service that lets you handcraft a package for each client. Either way, Side Door is a smarter way to scale your design firm. To earn money with Side Door, apply to join them. Go to onsidedoor.com to get started today. This episode is also brought to you by HoneyBook. If you're looking for a streamlined, automated client process that will uplevel your business, look no further. HoneyBook can automate your client bookings, questionnaires, contracts, and invoices, whether you run a staging business, a design business, or organizing. Go to honeybook.com and use the code SOCIALITE to receive 35% off. All right, guys, let's get into my conversation with Marianne. Spoiler alert, it's a good one. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Kate Show. I have the one and only Marianne Cherico on with us today. Marianne, thank you so much for coming on The Kate Show. Oh, my gosh. First of all, I am a big fan of your show. I listen to it all 
I talk to my clients about you. I know some of my clients have worked with you and love you. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. Well, thank you. I always appreciate those referrals. I love having, you know, you're one of the leaders in the home staging industry and to have you send people to me is also quite an honor. And for those who don't know you, can you give us a little bit of context around your journey to becoming a home stager and then a coach? Because that's something that like any home stager listening is like, becoming a home stager is not that easy. Like, one day you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm going to stage homes. But then it's like, oh, these realtors are a pain in the neck. So how did you decide that that was going to be your career of choice? Well, I was in the real estate business since my 30s. And in Massachusetts, where I live, nobody was staging. They didn't even know what staging was. So in my 40s, I decided I needed a creative outlet. My kids were teenagers, and I needed to do something creative. So I went to Rhode Island School of Design, and I studied interior design and painting and color theory and all, all that good stuff. And I listened to this presentation that another colleague in, in one of my classes did on home staging. And it, was, it really was like an aha moment for me. It was one of those transitional times in your life. And I thought, well, you know, I've always thought, why do sellers expect to be able to market and package their homes that are in disarray and don't look good in pictures? And at the time, you know, MLS, we didn't even have pictures in the books. That's how old I am. But pictures in the internet became a game changer. And sellers were very reluctant to invest themselves. They expected the real estate agent to kind of pull a rabbit out of a hat and sell their overpriced, messy home and not complain. So I started aligning myself with some of the stagers in California through this platform called Active Rain. These stagers are still colleagues of mine to this day and we've seen each other at different conventions and spoken at different conventions together so they became kind of my mentors because california it was happening there far ahead of when it started happening in massachusetts i mean in massachusetts when i talked about staging people looked at me cross-eyed so i became accredited as a stager and I quickly realized that I wasn't going to be able to do those big, sexy homes that my colleagues in California were doing. So I thought, well, am I really a stager then? If I can't do those big, sexy homes, nobody's buying it. You know, in my area, they weren't going to go from zero to 100 and start investing thousands of dollars in order to gain more in equity. So I thought, what if I convinced some savvy, forward-thinking real estate agents to use my consultation as a tipping point to get the listing, to use it as that silver bullet, because really good agents are always looking for that advantage, that value proposition. And so one realtor, really, you know, one of the top realtors in the area, he started using my services. And then it just kind of mushroomed slowly. I mean, it takes time, obviously, especially convincing people in an area where it wasn't done at all. And what ended up happening was that the realtors that recommended me all kind of fit into the same mold. They were forward-thinking realtors. They were willing to invest in their business. They were looking for something different that gave them more value to their clients. They believed in creating raving fans and clients for life. Most of them had worked with coaches. So I found this ideal client realtor who became 
the type of realtor that would recommend me for these. And to this day, I don't really do any marketing for my staging business, but those are the realtors who hire me to do their consultations. And then that led to all kinds of jobs. So it led to doing model homes. It led to doing high-end luxury homes, design jobs. I worked with three of the New England Patriots, all because realtors who I won the trust of started recommending me to their clients for other kinds of jobs. That is huge. I mean, forging relationships is what scales a business. Like you could have the best online marketing in the world and it doesn't take the place of actually, like you said, gaining the trust of real estate agents. And I'm saying that as someone who does online marketing, like professionally, you just cannot replace human to human interaction. But you make it sound easy. <laughs> like, you know, even in a place where people didn't really know what home staging was, you had to educate them about it. And then you had to earn their trust. That sounds like it was a little bit complicated. So exactly how did you go about educating them and earning their trust? That's such a good question. I mean, you know, in retrospect, you can see the things that you did, but at the time it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all because I had to convince them that it was worth for them to take money out of their commission to pay me to go tell people what to do. And I had to instill trust in them that I'd be able to tell their clients the tough stuff without making them angry and still get great results. So, you know, it took time. It took me fine-tuning my messaging, my consultations. It took this one leader in the real estate business who hired me. Then the other obstacle was I was kind of still in real estate, so that became an issue for some other realtors. I think that just really sticking with it getting the messaging out about how it benefited them. And that's that's the drum that I beat all the time with my coaching clients is that it's all about what's in it for them, but not in a fluffy kind of way. Like we help you sell homes faster and for more money. Well, yeah, that's great. But right now in my market, homes are selling faster and for more money. So what really is the value? The value is that when a seller goes online to look at pictures, because they're thinking they want to know what their houses might be, worth if they list it, they're going to see that certain agents have the best looking listings and they're going to want that for their home. And it's all those implicit ways that real estate agents don't think of that I teach my clients to connect those dots for them, to use the NAR stats and show them how much more money they can make and how much more money their clients can make so that they can earn their full commission. In other words, a lot of times these real estate agents are fighting to get a full commission but if they can show that what the seller nets is going to be more money if they invest in paying a full commission for a full service agent, you know, it, it's teaching them how to use your service in order to win listings. That's what they want. Mm -hmm. And you brought up a very good point of the stager is there to actually make the realtor look good, not just the house. And when you position yourself that way, it also illustrates that you can kind of knock down some of your competition who forget that very crucial element. You are here to have the realtors back. You're not just here to do a cheap staging job. And I know that right now the stagers 
listening are glued to everything you're saying because I have had a number of staging clients come to me recently who have said, I am being outbid by other stagers who are just somehow offering these ridiculously low prices and I can hardly compete. So that is something that I want to talk to you about, but let's put a pin in mm -hmm. that because I know mm -hmm. that I wanted to bring that up because everyone has that question lately. But I would also like to know, how do you grow your staging business from a place of joy instead of fear? Because actually, that's what a lot of people are experiencing right now when they find themselves constantly outbid or realtors think, I just don't need staging at all because number one, maybe I don't believe in it. Number two, listings are selling just fine by themselves, quote unquote. They have a lot of fear. So where can they find that joy instead? Well, when you come from a place of fear, it's very constrictive. And when we come from a place of fear, we do things like we compete on price instead of the value that we're bringing and the results that we get. So for instance, a lot of my clients that I've worked with are, you know, start out not charging enough for their services because they think that they have to charge a certain amount to get the job. And they're so worried about what other people are charging. And when you can shift your mindset to make sure that you're being profitable, then it becomes more about the value that you bring. One value proposition that a lot of stages miss is that real estate agents are so incredibly loyal for the most part, you get a couple that aren't, but for the most part, to contractors who have been good to their clients, who do what they say they're going to do, they show up on time, and it's not generally about price. It really, truly isn't. If the realtors are paying for it, sometimes it might be a little bit more, but most of the time, I don't encourage that. The realtors are paying for the full staging. They pay for the consult, but real estate agents are very loyal. So let's say you have a painter and the real estate agent recommends this painter. That's because that painter has shown up. They've done what they said they're going to do. They're probably medium priced, but they put their clients ahead of other clients. And, and I know as a, a real estate agent that I recommended the same painter for years. And people would say to me, well, you know, what are his prices like? And I'd say they're moderate. You know, they might not be the most expensive but they also aren't the cheapest. But I will say that other clients of mine have hired their own and they've used their own paint, even though in the staging report, I gave them specific colors. This was on a high-end home. So you kind of get what you pay for. What real estate agents want to know is that you're going to be professional. You're going to be a great reflection of them. You're going to understand that their time is of the essence with them and you're going to have their back. And so if you can instill that in a real estate agent, it doesn't become about price. I mean, I've done luxury jobs for this one agent, and he always would go to bat for me on the price. Unfortunately, I think that especially when people are starting out or if they really need the jobs, they feel as though they have to get the job based on price. And that is a slippery slope because you set that precedent, and frankly, Sometimes when you're the lowest price, people don't respect you. They don't think you're good enough. So you have to, the way you figure out price in a very simple form, and obviously there's different ways that stages do it. Some take a percentage of the listing and, and whatnot. I teach my clients to add up all your out-of-pocket costs, labor, you know, what would it be inventory-wise? So if you're if you have your own inventory, you know, determine what percentage is going to be per month 
in order to regroup that. So if it's 20% for the cost of acquisition of the inventory. So if it's 20%, then it takes five months for you to recoup that. You know, you, you have to figure out your own formula. Some people do 25%, some people probably do 15%, but figure out the cost of the inventory, figure out any out-of-pocket, paying your help, the movers, and then add on what you want to make for that job as a profit. You know, what's reasonable? I mean, you can even figure out, okay, it's going to take me 10 hours and I want 100, I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not telling people what to charge. I want $150 an hour. So that job, you're going to add on $1,500 to everything else. The bottom line is if you're not doing that, you're not being profitable. A lot of stages I don't think are profitable. And they'll go out of business. And so if you're competing against somebody that is not being profitable, then, you know, those are not the jobs that you want. They're not your ideal client. Mm, yes. And that is such a good point because it is hard for, I'm thinking specifically of several stagers that I've been consulting with on their marketing. They are like, you know, I have been in business for a while. Now these stagers show up, they might be in business a relatively the same amount of time, but how on earth are they saying they can do these jobs for so little? But to your point, the health of their business may not be what you think it is. Right. They might be on the last stretch of their business. They might be about ready to close it down because money has to come from somewhere. People have to get paid. If they're not being paid, they're going to leave. If you don't have a team, you can't stage. To your point, I had this job, this was a few years back, because I don't do hands-on staging anymore, but this investor called me. He was also a real estate agent who had a company in the next town from me, and he was going to put on his investment property, and he said to me, can you come down and give me a quote? And I said, you know, I get to the point where if you're having a bunch of different stagers quote and you're just looking for the lowest price, I'm really not interested. But, you know, so you ask a lot of questions. And so I said, okay, I'll come down and give you a quote. Is it going to be based on price, though? I want to know. And he said, no, not necessarily. So anyways, I go down. Another stager got the job. And come to find out, they were willing to do one month. I had to do two because I was working with a rental company. And so technically it was less money. So two years later, flash forward, and this was a big company. You know, they were doing very well. At least it appeared that way. Two years later, he called me and he forgot that he had talked to me. And I asked him a bunch of questions. And then I said, you know, and I told him about average what the price would be. And he said, oh, no, that's out of my budget. And I said, you know, I'm curious then, why didn't you call the other stager to the one that you had worked with before? And it kind of refreshed his memory. Well, they had gone out of business. Hmm. Interesting. So in other words, you have to make sure, I would rather see my clients working less jobs, but being profitable than, than getting really burnt out and resentful because they're not making enough money. Yes. Oh, because there's nothing that will make you hate your business faster than pretty much working for free. Exactly. Nobody wants to work for free. Even people that do it just because they love it. You still, you know, after a while you become resentful. And if you're not profitable, it's just not sustainable. Yeah. And a lot of the pricing that leads to the downfall of a business really starts in the brain of the home stager. Because if they're like, well, I feel like I'm not worth this yet. I will be soon. I don't know when, how I'll know when I'll be worth this, but soon, someday. And that mindset is so damaging. Have you seen that play out with some of your coaching clients? Big time. And, you know, this all of this stuff, 
I've had all these issues. So, I mean, I'm old, I'm 66 years old, so I've had these issues. And I am fiercely protective of my clients because I don't want them to make the same mistakes I did. And I think that, yes, it's absolutely mindset. I know that there's stages in my area that charge half what I do for, for the consult, and I'm getting double. So I'm working, you know, half as hard as they are for the same thing. Mm-hmm. But it's it's about owning your value. It's about knowing the value that you bring to the table. There's so many things. There's, you know, so many mindset issues that you can walk through, like the imposter syndrome is a big one. You know, people thinking that they're not good enough and they say they don't have the confidence. Well, if you know how to articulate your value in a way that's compelling to real estate agents and you practice doing that, and you really believe that value because you practice understanding it and articulating it. And it could be through the marketing. And then when you go to meet one-on-one with the agent, you really have it dialed in, if that makes sense. And it's also the way you say your price. If you say it like, it's going to be $400, you know, if your voice goes up, then, you know, and, and I've done all this. I mean, I will call myself out on everything, but... It's really how you say the price with confidence, and then you just pause. You don't over-explain yourself, stuff like that. But the clients that I've worked with that have raised their prices are so pleased with themselves because it, it gives them a real sense of empowerment to be paid. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like we are in business to make money and there's nothing dirty about making money when we are delivering a service that is valuable to the other party. And I think, and I'll speak even from my own experience, I used to tie my prices to my value as a professional, but that's a very small part of it. I had to also look at what value am I providing to the person receiving the service? And it was like, vastly many times more valuable than I had thought and I know a lot of the people listening feel the same way like they think oh well, it should be really easy like I know how this room should be staged everyone probably knows that or knows part of that but the truth is they don't they have no idea same is true of interior designers oh well you know I mean it's a valuable service but it's not that valuable have you seen what DIYers do have you seen the messes they create? Like the services that people offer in the home industry are much needed. They're not going anywhere, but it is that, as my my life coach calls it, the messy middle of like, oh, but this price feels gross to me, so I shouldn't set that price. Hey guys, real talk for a second. How much do the visuals and the copywriting of marketing your business matter? Well, short answer, a lot. How much does that stress you out? Another short answer, a lot. Unless you have a graphic designer, a copywriter, and a web developer in your back pocket, creating all the right marketing pieces for your brand can feel a little overwhelming, but if you're also tired of branding consistency, not having a sales funnel, feeling discombobulated or scattered in your business, then you have to do something about it. And I get that feeling. It's not fun. To solve this issue for you guys, I created the Socialite Shop to make it easy for you to get exactly what you need to market your business well. 
from website templates with built-in SEO to industry-specific stock photos for all the times you just need that perfect image, we've got you, girl. Plus, the team and I decided to include our coveted Canva templates for freebies, ebooks, lead magnets, client guides, pricing guides, and social media posts. Now, if you're a member of Socialite Vault, you already have free access to all these Canva templates. But if you are not a member of the Vault yet, you can now, for the first time ever, get these one-off marketing templates right here in the Socialite shop to use for your business. Go get the next beautiful template for your marketing by going to katethesocialite.com forward slash shop. How do you approach it when clients have their emotions all tied up in their pricing? Well, it kind of depends because there's a lot of different money stories that people have about making money. A book that I recommend is by Jen Sincero, You're a Badass at Making Money. She talks a lot about money stories that we have. Sometimes people feel that there's just so many different ways that people, sometimes people say, well, I wouldn't pay that for that service, right? Maybe they're, I don't want to say cheap, but very frugal. And so they're thinking, well, I wouldn't pay that. So why would anybody else? But there's services that people will pay for because it will benefit them and, you know, like, I don't have a cleaning person come in, but some people see that as a huge value and they're willing to pay for that. So if somebody feels as though it's going to help their business for real estate agents, because it will help their business, it's, it helps their brand, it helps everything about their business, it helps them get listings if they offer the consult as a tipping point. There's so many benefits. So why wouldn't they pay for that? Here's the thing. I had a realtor once who did not want to pay for my consult. And he lost a listing that was tens of thousands of dollars for a few hundred dollars because somebody else offered that. So, you know, in perspective, you have to show that real estate agent and the seller how it benefits them. Did I answer your question or did, you did. I go off at all? <laughs> oh, you absolutely did. I mean, all this is so good. And it's bringing to mind so many other questions that I feel like I should ask you. But I do want to kind of stick to what I had sent you because otherwise I'm just going to be getting off the rails. And uh, I might just have to have you back. Typically when this starts Anytime. to happen, this might have to happen again soon because you are a wealth of information when it comes to staging. Now, we've kind of talked about the different mindset issues that stagers have, but have you noticed any patterns when it comes to the growth trajectory of a home staging business? Like, is year one always, quote unquote, miserable? Is year two always better? At what point does it become easier to talk to realtors and get the leads? Are there any similarities or trends that you've noticed? Yeah, I think that the big thing is I wouldn't say that it's year one or year two because it really depends on how committed people were to building their business. I do find that people, you know, they, they go and get accredited and there's some fabulous programs that colleagues of mine that really prepare people, but it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose. And so then they become overwhelmed and then they think, so now I'm accredited, I'll just build my website. And then they get all caught up in that and almost too much because yes, you should have a, a website, but at the beginning it can be more of a postcard kind of website until you have the money to have a really brilliant copywriter help you with your copy or lead magnets and stuff like that. And they get caught up in that 
and they're kind of hiding behind their computer instead of going out there and getting in front of real estate agents yes. who are the gift that keeps on giving. They're, you know, the ones that are going to keep giving you the business so you don't have to keep reinventing the wheel. I mean, a seller online is a one and done usually. Maybe they'll hire you again or refer you to somebody, but real estate agents are seriously the best way to leverage your time. But the stagers are afraid. They don't know what to say to them. They're exactly. really reluctant to reach out to them or they reach out to them once and then they get their feelings hurt and they, they're not tenacious and coming from a place of value. And it's the same with marketing. You know, people say, well, I post, you know, once a week on Facebook. That's not enough. You know, it. I know that you aren't big into the social media thing, but if you're going to do it, you have to really kind of go deep instead of wide and stop, you know, I just had this conversation with a client, like, don't go on every platform, like dial in one and really yes. learn how to leverage it the best you can and mm -hmm. see if it works. And if it doesn't work after you've given it six months or a year, then you can tweak. That's part of entrepreneurship. People think that, you know, they come to me and they think, okay, you're going to give me this, you know, guide that everything's going to just go smooth. It's not the <laughs> way it works. <laughs> oh, that's a great point though. So when it comes to dialing in, really what you're talking about is figuring out where your ideal client is and then dialing into wherever they are. And maybe some realtors are on Facebook. I haven't seen a lot of realtors super active on Instagram, but perhaps, or yeah. perhaps it's LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And the big issue that I have with social media is that people just approach it with the wrong expectations. And they're like, you know, I've been posting prolifically. I even have a social media manager and I'm not getting any leads. And it's like, well, yeah. you know, that's not the purpose of the platform anyway. But if they were to look at it as, let me just use this to build connections versus mm -hmm. expecting mm -hmm. leads and do what you're saying, dial in, go deep and not wide, that is a completely different conversation. And that's actually a social media strategy. And this is going to be a little bit different from like the interior designer who's trying to find work because with the home stager who is really, it's really a B to B marketing plan rather than B to C. Yeah. And the realtors might be using social media for the same reasons and you can connect with them that way. But keeping in mind that the realtor that you're interacting with on social media, it might actually be their social media manager that you're interacting with. So you have mm -hmm. to figure out mm -hmm. how you do get face to face. And that's actually my next question for you. I understand that a lot of home stagers struggle with how to get in front of a realtor to even have that first conversation when their email gets ignored, their phone call gets ignored. What do they do? Like, if I'm a brand new home stager, and I'm like, all right, I'm on board with what you're saying, Marianne, but I don't know how to do it. Yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, different clients have done it different ways and different ways of work for them. So some of my clients go to open houses. And of course, there's a way that you have to do that because you don't want to, if they're busy and they have 20 buyers and right now the open houses are so crazy, they're not going to have time for you. You're not the top of their radar. They just want to, you know, win those buyers over. So some of them have, have done that. Some of them do... Um, CEU classes that they got accredited to do and they have reached out to title companies and that's been really rewarding and I've coached them on getting paid to do those presentations. So they charge for them. 
a couple of the things I have a program coming up on unlocking the power of agent referrals to, and boost your bottom line. And some of the things that I do is I've created this PowerPoint presentation that is completely geared toward what's in it for the real estate agent when they work with me. It's not about staging. It's about how I help them get listings. So it's like really like grabbing them and saying, look, I can help you get listings in ways you haven't thought about yet. And it's short, sweet, to the point. I find that the real estate agents really like it. So that's something that you can use at a, a real estate sales meeting. I recommend that my stagers call the agent because even if you leave a voicemail, I think that they get, I mean, you know how many emails you get a day? They get all those. And if it's not a pain point, you know, realtors are always putting out fires. If they don't need a stager right now, they'll put it off and then they'll forget about you. I mean, unless you consistently market to them, you know, with valuable information about what's in it for them. That's different. You know, you know what I'm talking about, of I course, do. because this is your specialty. Yes. So like the email marketing is great at that. Exactly. And that takes a commitment. But I think the fastest way for them to get the appointment, to set up a coffee appointment is to call the agent and say, hi, you know, I am Marianne Cherico and I'm a home stager in the area and I'd love to set up a coffee meeting with you to talk about how I can help you get listings. Are you interested in doing that? Because you're like hitting them between the eyes, you know, they don't care about home staging. They care about how it's going to help them and their clients. Yeah. Yeah. It's the unique selling proposition or the USP mm -hmm. that people need to be aware of because we often just start with the service like, well, here's what I do, home staging. Yeah. Or for me, here's what I do, marketing. But the truth is, it's like staging is a form of marketing, actually. It is. And yeah. You're helping to market and brand the realtor. So go from that angle. Like you said, that's what they really care about. And that takes the focus off the chasing one job and then another job and then another job. No, you are not going after the apples. You're going after the apple tree, the source right. of all of these jobs. And if you can get to the broker owner and do a meeting with the broker owner and get everybody's email address, mm -hmm. then that's, that's even better and do a presentation. Again, you want to keep it short, sweet, to the point. And then if they want to ask questions, allow yourself time for that. But let them know how you can help them in their business and um, even if 10 agents show up, you know, what if two of them hired you for all their business? Yes. You know, I mean, so you've got to put yourself out there. And I think that calling once, you know, sometimes the stagers call once and then they give up or they make up stories about why the agent hasn't called them back or this or that. Well, they're busy. You're not at top of their mind. So you have to you know, make more of an effort. It's more effort at the beginning and then it becomes easier because then they refer you to other realtors and it just, it snowballs. The beginning is the toughest. Mm -hmm. So people who are new in home staging should feel comforted by that. It's hard because it's supposed mm -hmm. to be hard, not necessarily because you're doing it wrong. It's just, none of us are entitled to an easy, instantly successful business. We have to work for it. And that's what builds character, as cliche as that sounds, because that's just how the world works. It's so true. In fact, one of my favorite quotes is by Darren Hardy, and it's, don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. Mm, yes, I love that. Yeah, it's a growth trajectory. 
and it's the roller coaster. The roller coaster goes up and it goes down. And sometimes you're standing in line for the darn roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. And we're all in that position as we grow our businesses and, you know, things can be going great. And then something can happen like your Facebook account gets shut down and it's up to you to, again, you know, you have to grow into that business owner that can handle that stuff and, and you know, make lemonade. Mm-hmm. Yep. And hopefully you've got other forms of marketing and you're not relying too much on any one, you know. Exactly. Which is another big thing. And I've said this a lot on the podcast, but I'm going to say it again because it's relevant. There is never going to be one form of marketing that's the golden ticket to your success. It is the culmination of consistent, intentional effort that brings about a successful business because businesses are not successful because of magic or happenstance or accident. It's, that's just not reality. So I would like to know if you have any tips for stagers who are like, okay, I've reached out to the realtors and they have told me they don't care or they don't want home staging. I mean, at what point does a stager just say, okay, this listing agent is a dead end and, and move on versus knowing I should just be more persistent or I just need to reframe my offer? Like what tips do you have for them? That's a really good question. I believe that even with marketing, right, real, there's real estate agents who they really don't care about staging. They feel like, you know, I've been in this business for a long time. I haven't had to work with a stager. I get repeat clients. They're kind of lazy. You know, they, I don't mean that they're that in a demeaning way, like they're as far as forward thinking kinds of things. Then there's okay. the real estate agents who are interested in working with stager, but they're really not sure how you can work with them. They don't realize that you offer consultations that are highly affordable and effective and will, you know, help them. They really aren't sure how it all works, but they're kind of interested in it. And then there's the real estate agents who want to work with a stager, but they don't know which one they want to work with. Those last two are the ones you really want to hit the marketing notes with. So the ones that don't know how you can work with them, that's where you want to let them know the different ways that you can work with them so that they can refer you to their clients even. Maybe you do move-in services or, you know, maybe you do consultations and you do model homes. So let them know how you can work with them. The ones that are ready to hire a stager, that's where you have to have all those compelling testimonials because that's the differentiating factor. That's second-party endorsement. So I think that... If you've reached out to an agent a few times and they really have no interest at all, then I would start by compiling a list of who your ideal clients are. So I know my ideal clients, for instance, are savvy, forward-thinking, tops of their game. They, um, you know, they're kind of ego-driven by having their signs everywhere and they're very competitive. So you look for those. I would look for those if, if I was starting out again and speak their language in a way that others aren't. So I, you know, would make sure, I would tap into their competitive side and I would say, this is what my top agents are doing. And, you know, would you like to know how you can do this too? I think that I would start by focusing on my ideal clients, make up a list of them, and then try to get my messaging dialed in. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that's how I'd approach it. Yes, because it's not really about casting a wide net of like, I'm just going to go down a list of all the listing agents in my area because that, that doesn't work. But if you're figuring out, okay, 
that's a really good tip actually like whose signs are you seeing everywhere who really wants to make sure people know who they are Mm -hmm. Uh, because they're expressing a desire they're expressing a hunger that you Mm -hmm. might be able to help with so i like that that is some high level ceo strategy and the big (laughs) thing that like even i personally have been focusing on is how to be the ceo of the business versus the person working in it and even if a home stager has just started out, he or she should still have the CEO mindset. You're the mm-hmm. CEO of a startup. It's all right. Right. You can be brand new and still be the CEO, but that means doing the higher level thinking like what you said of, no, I don't actually want to work with every single listing agent. I am going to get very clear on three of them that I would really yeah. like to partner with. And like how many should people focus on partnering with? Because a lot of people are like, oh, I need as many as possible. But do you? Like, really? You really don't. But again, it's one agent at a time. So, you know, you might have an agent that gives you, you know, some agents might give you 10 a year. Some agents might give you five. So you have to decide how many you want, you know, how many consultations, for instance. I mean, obviously, it's not just consultations, but and then try to gain those amounts of agents and and figure out you know as you as you do it you'll realize once you look at your profit and loss and you know your quickbooks or whatever you're using where you're getting the business how many on average they that particular person hires you for and then i think you can determine how many you really want it depends on how much money you want to make and what your business model is and and all that i mean i think why not have more and, and turn down jobs that aren't going to pay you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it's very, um, I guess it, it kind of takes the pressure off when you say it's one agent at a time. Yeah. Like, especially when you're just starting out, you pursue one at a time. Yep. And I would also think that they're going to learn about the best ways to approach a listing agent as they go through it and make mistakes because mistakes are going to happen. Yeah. They're going to fumble sure. over their words. They're going to be like, oh, I should have said that differently. Oh, I'm so dumb. And it's like, no, you're not dumb. We're just learning. This is new. And learning how to get inside their head and speak their language when each real estate agent is a human being with uniqueness about them. And it's going to take some time talking with them, studying them to really get in their head. So, what you're saying, it, it's genius and it's hard. It's funny, you know, I just tell my clients, business is going to come in ways that you don't expect. I did a, I did a, a YouTube thing with other colleagues a few years ago, and I just got a client from it. And I thought, oh, they must be listening to my podcast and this and that where I'm, you know, really working hard. No, it was something that I did years ago. And then they started. So, you know, obviously, I'm sure that you check with people to see where you're getting business from. But I think that it's so important. Sometimes I have an agent that never has hired me who's referred me to a colleague. So business comes in, in funny places that you don't expect. You just have to keep putting yourself out there strategically. Yeah, and be ready for it. And I did an episode recently about how people can glow up their business, meaning Mm -hmm. like be the professional that you wish that you could be a few years from now, like be that person now, because that's attractive and that will help you be more confident, which is also attractive. And 
I can already tell you without knowing like the ins and outs of your business, Marianne, the reason why a realtor referred another realtor to you without even working with you themselves is because they already had that know, like, and trust factor from you because they could already see that you were professional. They didn't have to experience it for themselves to confidently refer someone to you. And that's amazing. I, that is like an A plus on branding right there. So I like the fact that you pointing out business will come to us in the weirdest of ways because sometimes we can't control it, you know, yeah. and that can be hard as an entrepreneur, like, oh, I'm going to control this. I'm going to make this happen. But sometimes you just have to be ready to receive it. I totally agree. And, and being a control freak, I, I agree. You know, you want to be able to control it. But again, you want to understand too that it, it might not come in the way you expect. I think we we expect things to like, okay, I reached out to that realtor 10 times, they should be hiring me and we get frustrated about that. That's what I see clients doing. But it might come in another way that you didn't have to work hard for. So it's just the way business is. And to your point, putting yourself out there, like, you know, being strategic about your marketing, which is more of a long-term gain than picking up the phone, but it's just as important in a different way. If you really want to grow your business, you've got to keep adding those layers. Mm -hmm. If I were a home stager, I would be hiring you immediately for coaching. I mean, honestly, like, cause the stuff you just, you just know your stuff and you come about it with such a calm confidence. And how do you work with clients? Like if I've got people listening who are like, okay, my staging business needs help. I need help. How do you work with them? What does it look like? So there's three different ways that we could work together. I have one on one. I offer one on one coaching packages, where you just get me looking at your business, and we work on anything from mindset issues to strategy to messaging, all kinds of things to pricing. You know, anything that a stager would need. I also offer group coaching which is a year commitment. And we have a small group of people from all over, very small intimate group. And it's three sessions a month, plus they get one one-on-one -on -one session with me as a bonus. And that's a year commitment. And then I have a program, it's called Unlock the Power of Agent Referrals and Boost Your Bottom Line. So those are the three ways that I work with my clients. Oh, awesome. And I like that you have the balance of one-on-one -on -one and group coaching. I'm in group coaching myself right now. And I completely undervalued group coaching until I joined a group. And then I'm like, this is amazing because they're asking questions I didn't think of, but I actually really need to hear the answer. And I don't know, it's it's amazing. And one-on-one -on -one is great too. I'm also doing one-on-one -on -one with my own coach. And that's a place to really dial in on, oh, like I just got to be honest, I'm not having a good time right now in my business. Like this sucks. And just it's better than therapy because it looks this to the future, not the past. That is such a good point, Kate, because I don't think that people understand that coaches take you where you are to, you know, help you bridge the gap. So you're here, you want to be here. The coach helps you with that. Therapy goes back to all the reasons why you're the way you are and all that. Coaching is completely different. It helps you fine tune your mindset so that you can work through the obstacles that are keeping you getting there. And you know, strategy is a dime a dozen. You can go on Google to find strategies, but <laughs> mindset and dealing with the things that you may not even be aware of that are subconscious, that's what a good coach helps you see. And I'm sure you see that with your coach. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, if you're not feeling uncomfortable in coaching, then I don't know what to tell you because like it's going to make you feel uncomfortable. It's going to make you stretch in ways that you maybe didn't want to stretch. But then when you do it, you're like, oh, I should have done that a long time ago. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I am a huge fan of coaching. And I know there's a reason why so many coaches also have coaches, because mm -hmm. we are mm -hmm. humans who just need each other. And we yeah. need help. And it even goes back to like, even in tribal cultures, there's like the wise woman in the tribe or the wise man. And it's someone who has been through it. And that's yeah. what we need, if, especially when we're new in business or we've been in business for a decade or so to the point where we just can't get outside the box of our own heads to figure out what is possible to get that bird's eye view of like, what is the next level? What, what do I do now? Because we don't want to become stagnant in our businesses. We don't want to become bored. And coaching helps with that too. So I love what you're doing. I love what you're offering. And can you also tell everyone about your podcast? Yes. Um, I have a podcast called Homestagers and Designers on Fire. And I'd love you to to listen. You can listen on Apple, Spotify, and most of the major podcast platforms. And we deal with all kinds of issues, mindset and strategy. And the fabulous Kate has been on my podcast, and I'm sure will be again. You know, it's just really geared toward helping stagers and designers. And I say designers because a lot of my stagers also do design work. Mm -hmm. My focus is mainly on stagers, but I've also helped them with their design part of their business. So that's why it's home stagers and designers on fire. Yeah. Oh, it makes complete sense. A lot of my clients also offer the same services, which is another thing that can get a little bit messy if not done correctly, you know, mm -hmm. like trying mm -hmm. to market design, trying to market staging and then growing both of them together, but separate. That's why people need coaches. <laughs> so thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for your time. Oh my gosh. It's always a pleasure connecting with you. You're wonderful. And I love your podcast. As I said, I listen to it all the time. Oh, geez. Oh, no. You're so good. <laughs> You're so good, Kate. I really mean well, that. You. Well, thank you very much. And to everybody listening, please go check out Marianne's podcast and head over to her website. We're going to have all the links to all the things Marianne in the show notes, because if you have a home staging business, you need to work with her. And until next time, keep your marketing simple, your message clear, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.